Welcome to Roguecast, the official podcast of Rogues Gallery. We'll talk comics for the week, as well as whatever news is on our pop cultural radar. I'm Randy. I'm Nick. This is Dave. And now, on with the show. Episode 405 of the Roguecast, recorded February 21st, 2023. That was Quantum Mania's ass. Uh, right. We're back. We're back. Uh, We're tired. <laughs> it's true. Uh, people don't, may not know, and uh, this is an exciting way to begin, I know, uh, but sometimes our office, the, vent, the, the ventilation in here is weird. It is sometimes weirdly warm, yep. and sometimes the AC comes in so cold that it becomes bitterly cold in here. Right now it's in the warm state, so we're all uh, in a torpor. We're in torpor. And also, not one of us has a reasonable sleeping schedule. That's, That's right. Little I, got, you know, I got no case sleep last night. Little I, did I, you so. know that when you turn on this podcast, you would hear about AC duct. This is how they start off the duckcast. <laughs> I hope it's not somebody's first this time way, listening. This, this week, we're talking about the three quarter inch uh, steel. <laughs> Uh, that you use to pipe air conditioning well, into your... I mean, I feel like that's a joke, but I'm sure there's a podcast about AC ductwork. Ductwork? Sure there yeah. is. I'm and like, what s- places have the best AC? I'm excited to tell people that we are going to, in fact, be talking about the first issue of New Superman. We're talking about an image comic that calls back your extreme superheroes of the 90s and all kinds of other stuff. So yes. uh, don't fret. Don't fret just because uh, we started weird. <laughs> uh, well, there is a duct tape po- podcast for the record. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, that, obviously, that you can do sense. so much yes. with duct tape. Yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> y'all can stay on that if you'd like, but I'm ready to move forward. All right, they have to move forward, and we shall. Uh, we will also have our at the end. We'll do our spoiler review of M and Quantumania. Yes. Uh, which I didn't realize that we saw it is uh, has an ant and a man in the title. Yeah. What are you talking about? Quantumania. Oh, yeah, yeah. I also did not realize it. I thought it was just some kind of a slightly weird sideways nod to the Who's Quadrophenia movie, album, whatever. Deep cut, Dave. But it was not. Um, I mean, Who's one of the biggest rock bands of all time? I know, but I don't believe they made any references, I think. uh, Boomers, uh, no. It's on every single NCIS and CSI of all time. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think NCIS, but... Oh, I don't know. CSI, probably. Yeah, whatever whatever know. show they use. We don't watch NCIS. Whatever show they use all their stuff on. Uh, who has that kind of time? <laughs> I'm I'm uh, I'm Gen X. I'm not quite Boomer. No. <laughs> um, we got a couple new games this week. Uh, we've got the new D&D, uh, Keys to the Golden Vault, which has a swanky uh, alt cover. It's a D&D hardcover that is a series of heisty-type adventures. Thirteen heists that you can run individually or as one big connected campaign. That's a very gold cover. It is. You know what it's, I want to know is is like the different tones. Like this area is like, oh, this one is kind of Ocean's Eleven, and this one is a little darker, like Reservoir Dogs, and this one is, you know, like, are they like that? I don't know. I don't know. That could be a heat one. It could, could be, be heat. Yeah, just carnage in the streets. <laughs> uh, I, I'm heat? super excited. I love heists. <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely going to try and run this, uh, so I'm, I'm pretty excited about this. We also got the newest uh, Cobalt Press uh, release, which is Campaign Builder Cities and Towns. Hmm. Yeah, so this is a like uh, you know building up cities and towns and stuff. And it comes there's a there's a map folio that has a dozen maps for different. The Cobalt areas. Press stuff is quite good. Always good. Uh, we got a big dice restock from Foam Brain. Yep, including uh, all the Meteor Storm dice, which you might have seen. They are basically like metal caltrips. But uh, they are. Here's the thing: when we take them out and we hurt our little hands on them, because mm-hmm. we're we're handling like about fifty of them in like a space of like thirty minutes, mm-hmm. they're 
pretty dangerous. But they are also super cool. They're super awesome. They and, uh, uh, yeah. they are they are the fiercest looking dice we're ever going to have. There's they one do that, look dangerous. There's one that's blood spattered. There's one that's blood spattered. Is, yeah, they look they look great. It's very on know. point. They're all blood spattered now. Nick, <laughs> as I got them out, I cut, cut myself on all of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, and we also got some other ones that, that like a bunch of different like uh, basically fancy schmancy dice, but also the ones that have like the little. What, what do you call the ones that have stuff in them? Inclusion dice. Plastic inclusion dice. Yeah, where there's like it's a little ducky in there, or it's a baseball, or it's a whatever. But that's our usual restock. This was this the the big thing. This one was got we got some the, all the metal media mirror storm, which have been selling really well. There's some glass ones, and they're cool. And we get the glass dice, some stone dice, some and stone dice, some fancy dice. So we also got some pins back in. Um, what are those? What are those ones that we got that have their nice dice carrying case? That's like a little leather. Uh, that's that's the glass and the stone. That's ice. the glass one. Yeah. Okay. And by yeah. the time you hear this, we will have probably a, a a plethora of new dice bags. I think sixteen new dice bags, including some that have like they're class specific. They have like the the bars. Have you seen and the, the pins and the, and the yeah. stickers we have for like different classes? They put that on dice bags. They've also got the little beholder monster. I am so. shocked that that like it wasn't until recently that they realized that people might want some individual dice bags for their dice. Well, I think it's not that I didn't realize. I think there's only so much you can manufacture. There's also a new mystery loot, the uh, Marshmallow Dragons, which is their Easter-themed loot for the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, these guys do a new mystery loot every couple of months. Uh, those always sell really well. I think it's just that there's what what are these? These are they're Marshmallow Dragons, like Marshmallow Peeps, but dragons. They're actual marshmallows. No, they're they're pins. They're, but they okay. look like pins is the word I was looking yes. for. Yes. Yeah. The the. The blind bags always come with a die and a pin, usually. So uh, it's a D, it's D twenties like in Easter colors. Yep, and a marshmallow peep looking dragon. Yep, that's uh, very uh, delightful. Song. So yeah, these these guys. I mean, they make so much stuff. I think there's just a uh, everything's always in the pipeline. What are you gonna do next? I'm waiting for the Arbor Day uh, end pins. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked. And twig blights. Twig blights. I mean, there's there's a lot of plant monsters in D anD. I don't know if you realize this. Myconids, shambling mounds, shambling mounds. Uh, Veggie pygmies, uh, assassin vines. <laughs> keep it rolling. Keep it rolling. There is a surprising. I mean, we haven't even we, we haven't really even talked about like dryads and like the plant adjacent people. Like we're just yeah. talking straight up plants. What's that big thing that uh, Serena has three of? Shambling mount. No, not shambling mount. Oh. The, the little the person that creates doubles of things. Oh, uh, yeah. Not a big giant. I feel like it's plant. not. Is it less of a plant? It's it's like a pod person making plant. Yeah. It's like if Master Mold from the Sentinels. Was a pod person maker. So you said that I, I remember uh, Poison Ivy from the Batman the Animated Series that would make uh, she had big plant people, big plant people. Yep, out yep. Of it. always from the uh, weirdly suggestive plants. Yeah, uh, but anyway, this one is there's, there's, I mean, <laughs> an, an Arbor Day themed. I may suggest this to them because honestly, an Arbor there Arbor is enough, day, There's there's a lot of there's enough stuff, uh, and it would be both kind of funny. Yes. And uh, perhaps environmentally minded. Yeah. Um, and uh, and, and that literally, there are some very cool plant monsters. I will say, uh, I had at least two characters murdered by assassin vines in that world's largest dungeon that we played. I'm familiar with the assassin <laughs> vines and the painful, uh, what, third edition rules or whatever, that, or whatever uh, yeah. for entanglement that led our party to be decimated by these stupid Honestly, vines. Honestly, uh, it's, it's worse than any dragon I've ever fought. <laughs> Assassin Vines killed more of my characters than any other monster. And then you just get entangled and you just And then die? you get choked out and you die, yep. Okay. yep. Yeah, that's pretty much it's one of those things where your options are, like, super limited and, like, you can probably, like, plunk at it with your, like, dagger or something like and that. we were and pretty low nothing. level. Yeah, we were pretty low level. But, you know, it was the world's fun. largest dungeon. It was dungeon. not fun, no. It was the world's largest dungeon. We did not go deep into the world's largest dungeon. I don't know if people that. remember the world's largest dungeon, no. but this was a... Early third edition a, thing. An early third edition thing that was a massive book 
that uh, it was supposed to be, you know, like, what's the big Dungeons & Dragons uh, Forgotten Realms? Undermountain. Uh, Undermountain, yeah. It's like, it was like their, you know, sort of indie Undermountain, but like it had tons and tons and tons of maps. It was high production values, big as I recall. Big giant hardcover. Yeah, it was a big giant hardcover. It was quite the production um, and it's... proclaimed itself the world's largest dungeon. Yeah, well, I think the notion was like it would take you level 1 to 20. It was like you went to yes. the dungeon as a level 1 noob. And you emerged and you, as and a you god. Came out a god. Unless... Yes. You met an assassin vine on the way. <laughs> yeah, then it's all and over. Then it's all over. <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing it's also lethal. Like completely. it was very lethal. Yeah, I, I seem to remember. Now, some of it was maybe just like D and D broadly can be lethal for yeah. lower levels. Yeah, I remember. I got a character who got killed just because like a uh, like an like an orc just ran up and attacked with his axe or something and just critted. Yeah, just did double it damage happens. or whatever, and it yeah. happens. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, and then we also got the uh, minis for the new Dragonlance series. So the blind box minis, along with a uh, super boosters and a draconian warband. I realized I have not looked at the blind box ones to see. Like, I'd like to see what all is in them. I assume from aside from lots and lots of um, uh, what do you call it? What what are the dragon men? Draconians. Draconians. Lots and lots of draconians. That did they make some of the well? Do, I, I I don't know if they would in this. Did they make any of the named characters? The fellowship. I don't know. I assume there's a Kender in there. I, I I bet they didn't make the fellowship because the adventure is not based around like the classic characters right. from the novels. Right. Um, but yeah, it's like did they make Lord Soth? Maybe so. Possibly. Uh, did they make uh, Tiamat or or what was she? Tikesis? There is a bonus mini Tikesis for people who bought. Like, yeah, it's like is that like her human incarnation? Her human I think. Incarnation, yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, I need to look at that and see. I bet, I bet they've got a few Kender in there and some other stuff. So Knights the, of Salomnia. You also can buy the Draconian Warband, which has one of each kind of Draconian. And yep. as you as you may or may not know, uh, Draconians are marked by how they react when they die. Yes, I mean they also look a little bit different, but and some have wings and some sure, don't. But mostly, but like your basic Draconian when he dies, he turns to stone. He turns to stone, and like if you, you're, I think there's like maybe if you're the one who kills it, the, the rules might be one of those things. It's like there's a ten percent chance your sword your is stuck in stuck it. In him, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but some of them, some of them explode. Explode at least one. Uh, its corpse turns to acid. Yes. Um, it's like the vampires in Lost Boys. Like some explode, some implode. And all will try to take, you, try with take you or your weapon with them. I think most people will be familiar with it because it's pretty much how it works for humans. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's if you die, sometimes you turn to acid. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Which is why hospitals are such dangerous. It's places. really dangerous. Yeah. Sometimes I'll just hear a giant explosion down the hall, and I'll be like, "Oh, uh, that was a Bozak human." That was a Bozak human. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, nothing to add. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Randy uh, and I have always been amused by the Draconians. I actually yeah. like the Draconians, but uh, yeah, me too. But it is funny. It is it's, funny. It's such a weird thing. Um, all right, let's uh, let's talk comics for the week for February twenty second. This is a big week of comics. Yeah, it is. Uh, we, DC, Marvel, and Indies our, all. Our wall is bursting with it, and because you know, lots of uh, titles put out sort of multiple covers. Yeah. Uh, we, 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 you know, normally we'd like to spread them out as much as we can, just showcase them, but we just have to, we had to stack and interleaf a lot of those covers. Yeah. So when you, when you come in this week, uh, and you're like, oh, I'm going to pick up an issue of Superman or whatever, uh, flip through it and Cruise. see which cover yeah. you like. Uh, we will continue as stuff sells down and make space for more sp- stuff. We'll spread them out as much as we can, but, uh, you know, give them a perusal. Yeah. Give, them, give them a break. <laughs> uh, so there's some notable stuff that came out, uh, multiple issues before we get the first issues, uh, the second issue of Darkwing Duck, the third issue of Gargoyles are out this week. Yep. A new issue of Saga, which is, I think, two or three into its current story arc. A uh, Another issue of the She-Hulk run. Another issue of the uh, Star Trek 
Strange New Worlds book, and then it is a Tom Taylor Tuesday, because we have Nightwing 101 and Deceased Were the Undead Gods number 6. Uh, Deceased is, is heading into its uh, big finale, Yep, and it's definitely getting big and expansive. Yeah, uh, in the previous issue, without saying too much about it, in case you're not, in case you're behind, there was stuff that involved. Oh, actually, I guess I don't want to say who the bad guy no, was, shouldn't. but it's Spectre uh, had yeah. an appearance, yep. Spectre level stuff. Plus, of course, like you know, like New Gods and Dark Side and stuff like that, that kind of tier, and yep. some fun stuff with Lobo. <laughs> yeah, and then there's uh, Nightwing One One, which continues to set up the Teen Titans. Yep. And has uh, there's some, some sort of supernatural story. Yeah, I was going to say this is kind of an unusual thing for for Nightwing to be dealing yeah. with. Also, an issue of World's Finest. Yeah, uh, yeah. that has a date between uh, Supergirl and Robin. Interesting. Uh, and an issue of Batman One Bad Day that features Clayface. Right. Yeah. Uh, and the finale of Lazarus Planet Omega. Oh, right. Yep. Uh, but as far as new stuff, I guess the most notable thing is Superman number one. Yep, this is part of the Dawn of DC initiative. Yep. I will, because DC has rebooted so often, remind people it's not a reboot, just new direction. Yep. In fact, this is very overtly spinning off of just sort of uh, recent events that have been happening in Superman, Son of Kal-El. Um, and all the DC stuff is like this. It's like new directions for them. Uh, I broadly feel like it's kind of optimistic directions. You know, it's kind of a little bit more yeah. upbeat superhero stuff. I mean, there's some there's some darkness uh, mixed there, in here. There is, but I'm just saying, like but, as, a as a general tone, um, it's not it's not Zack Snyder's Superman. I think is what Dave. No, said. no. Yeah. Uh, I think Williamson uh, has a great handle on Superman and what sort of makes him unique and what makes like him important for the DC universe. I think that people are actually starting to get a better sense of Superman these days, uh, to some degree. Um, and this has a kind of an interesting plot hook in it. So it begins with his basically his worst enemy, Lex Luthor, is in jail. Yep. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember exactly what put him there. Did they, did they catch him for blowing up steelworks? I think they might have. Okay, maybe so. So for whatever reason, yeah, he's in jail. And Superman is. Uh, I guess I don't want to say how Luthor is sort of still influencing things. Right. Uh, it won't surprise anybody to know that he could still be effective inside prison, but. There is a major plot he sets in motion that is unique, I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. Nick, Nick and I, we were talking about it a little while ago, and it's not like... It's 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 one of these things that almost looks like a gift uh, on the surface. It yeah. feels like it like that, and it is not like, oh, I've got a new battle robot, or I've allied with some aliens, or whatever. It is a, it is a kind of a Machiavellian... Uh, manipulation of Superman that's kind of interesting. But there's also, like, a lot of cool action in this. It starts out with Superman fighting... Um, I was going to say, it's very... Livewire? It's very day in the life of Superman, because essentially he's, he's going... Yep. Going through get the up, day... If you want to get up to date on Superman, you're going to take a walk through his shoes yeah, today. He's well, fighting a couple of uh, villains. We meet the new chief of Metropolis Police, the new character, I'm pretty yep. sure. As um, well as we see, because uh, for various reasons, Perry White... Is not uh, we should, running. We shouldn't give it away. No, I'm not going. I'm not going to give it away. But he's not running the Daily Planet right now. Uh, he, he's okay. It seems like he'll be back in back around but at some point. There's an interim. Uh... There's a new editor in chief. <laughs> yeah. editor in chief, and it's some fun stuff. There's a big update to LexCorp that is interesting. Yep. Um, there's. Have we seen Mercy used in the in the comics in a while? Yeah. I mean, she's been. She's, there. she's been in and around. And she's been this I, kind of version okay. of her okay. for a, for I was going to say bit. I feel like they kind of re- rethink her almost every time I see her yeah, yeah. which isn't the, like the worst thing um, you know but she's yeah uh, 
Lex Luthor's devoted assistant, uh, mm-hmm. who who actually, unlike say some of like the old Otis from the original Superman movie or some of his yeah. other assistants, she's always shown to be pretty effective. Well, and she was—I mean, she was created as sort of like his Harley Quinn. She was yeah. supposed to be kind of a badass. Yeah. Um, but the, and, and then, then there, and then the, another classic super, Superman villain shows up. Yep. And also, then, kind of in an unusual way. Yeah. And then a not so uh, typical uh, Superman villain uh, as a stinger. Yeah. It's I'm, actually quite a bit of th- stuff that in yeah. one issue. It's a good first issue. Also, that artist Jamal Campbell's really good. Yeah, it reminded me a little bit of uh, well, somewhat of Adam Hughes in some of his. Designs, I can see that, but also a little bit of Daniel Acuna, the 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 a painting. It, it type also artist the, that we like. The expansive the way the panel layout stuff reminds me a little bit of Redondo stuff in Nightwing too. Yeah, yeah. I just think it kind of hits every button you want. With the Superman book. It's yeah. got action. It's got a little bit. It's got heart. It's got a little bit of humor. Yep. Uh, a little bit of danger. There's a thing between, we talked about this, Lois and Superman, and I don't quite want to say what it is, yeah. but I'm like, that, that that is interesting. I yeah. did not expect them to mention that. <laughs> and I love uh, how the artist draws Clark, as Clark Kent, as the reporter, uh, in sort of kind of this dumpy suit, and he's wearing a baseball cap. He looks very kind of down to earth yep. in a lot of regards. Yeah. Uh, He's even wearing headphones for... Right, there's a story sort there's of... There's a story else to it. Yeah. But it... I don't know. This this was very charming to me. It was a fun and, first issue. And I, I really, really dug it. I think that people who liked, say, what they were doing with the... Uh, was it Superman and Lois TV show? Yeah. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Uh, I think are going to like this. Uh, people people who kind of like that somewhat more up-tempo Superman. And also Jimmy. But a, super, but a Superman who's clearly going to have a challenge ahead of him. And there's him. also Jimmy who's always Jimmy. Uh, actually, yep. the thing about uh, Jimmy's new girlfriend yeah. and yeah. their questions yeah. for him were really it, it pretty It felt good. like All-Star Superman Jimmy. It was pretty good. That's true. Oh, and and there's Nick, you noted earlier that... It's the, very All-Star uh, Lex as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, the, the, the Lex, the, the prison jumpsuit Lex who's, he's like redoubling his efforts yeah. in, in a way. Yeah, this definitely felt influenced by All-Star Superman, which is uh, not yeah. a bad thing. So um, yes, if you if you have any love for Superman... I think this is one to check out. Yep, yep. Um, there is a new comic from Image called Local Man. It's by Tony Fleeks and Tim Seeley, both sort of friends of the store. We think yeah. had both of them out at yep. some point. Uh, Tony Fleeks, of course, did the Stray Dogs series. Yeah, the, the dog, uh, sort of Disney dogs uh, whose owner might be a serial killer story. Which Disney dogs meet Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, that was, that was one of our breakouts a few yeah. years ago. And... Uh, Tim Seeley, who's maybe best known for Hack Slash, but has done like so much DC stuff too. He did Grayson. Back in the day, he even did GI Joe. He did GI Joe. He's been around. He's, this guy's uh, put in his time. And uh, Local Man is kind of a tribute to both he and Tony Fleek. Clearly, '90s kids, right? Oh yeah. They, they did their superhero comics. Their love of Young Blood, in particular. Yep. And but, the Extreme Studios guys. But this is almost more like a Invincible type modern comic superhero thing that. Is just has a foot in those because uh, what happened is there's a guy who's kind of got to go back to his hometown. He's sort of maybe made it to somewhat out in the world, and uh, he he looks like almost like at first going he's hitchhiking back, uh, and he almost seems like a, just a normal guy. But then some guys that are gonna maybe uh, are gonna pick him up like sort of Uber style or, or pick him so up. He called it an Uber, and yeah. they guess that he is a former superhero, and they're like "f you" and like leave him in the dust. And you're like, "Oh, he is a disgraced former superhero having to return to his town." Yes. And the story is kind of about oh, what happened? Uh, he's got to go live with his mom and dad, and they are, and he's not allowed to be a superhero anymore. And he's in a very to... like Christian religious. Yeah. Uh, 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 fronted uh, 
Mid- town. Yeah, middle America town. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, it's it's basically. I mean, the story is about a a guy who went to the went to the big city and had a uh, had a fall from grace, and now has to go back to his small town home and really wants no part of it. Uh, to but a place that no one likes him. Yeah, but it is it is filtered through the superhero element and. Uh, there's there's references to like brigade and cyber force. Yeah, and it's kind of uh, funny. Yeah, the guy spawn. at some point when he's annoyed that people like are not giving him some, a little more respect. Yeah, he's like, I, you know, I did save the planet from Malabolgio once. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, wow, that is it is weird to see people like the image shared universe kind of come up. And like, this is not gonna, I think, be like, oh, you're not gonna see this mentioned in Spawn. But it does. It is kind of fun to but use it that that's way. That's sort of what Invincible did, anyways. I mean, Super Patriot was a big part of uh, yeah. Invincible at the beginning, and randomly, like some of the random image people showed up, like yeah. throughout the series. So it sort of kind of does that as well. Yeah. I'd say this is like a somewhat more well, it's ambitious in a sort of different way than uh, Invincible yeah. was. Agreed. But I do think people who like that, like um, uh, what's the Radiant Black. Mm-hmm. That kind of stuff should should look into this. Did we say about the flip book? There, I was about to say the, there's a six page story in the flip book that is a dire, pretty direct riff of Youngblood and of how ridiculous it is. Yes. And it's basically just like all the worst dialogue and and dumb character ideas. Me and, loving the stupidity stupidity of it was reading it back to Randy in like over crazy voice, uh, and uh, it was amazing. The to extreme nineties voice. voice, yeah, and I. I, I loved it. It was fun. It was a lot it's, of fun. It was really fun. Yeah, <laughs> I, I liked it quite a bit. Um, we've also got uh, Blue Book, which is the new book from James Tinian and Mikey Monoming on art. Which this is kind of a surprising thing that he's doing. It's but kind of interesting too. You were telling me about this because this is a a known thing, and I, I, mean, I mean, I'm sure I've heard. Oh, of this so yeah, at some Project point. Blue Book was the name of the actual government research into. UFOs in like the 50s and 60s, yeah. I think. I could be slightly wrong on my date. It could be like 60s, 70s. But I watched a TV show as a kid that scared me uh, called <laughs> Project UFO. Yeah. Project UFO allegedly was from the case files of Project Blue Book. I'm sure it went through so much Hollywoodization that <laughs> it barely had any link to it. But anyway, Project Blue Book is a real thing. Uh, U.S. has studied UFOs. People know that. It was sure. weirdly timely because, you know, people have, because of the. Was it uh, oh the, like the weather balloon and other stuff? There's right, people right. have like and then there's just been some stuff popping up in the news. But this this was probably in planning for a while, and I have a feeling that Tinian is just he's a, I think he may be a UFO buff. I don't is, know. Is it possible yeah. that he saw the same uh, show that you did that scared that scared you? I, think, that yeah, he scared I assume him? that he's younger than I am, but I don't know. I don't know. Um, That's a good question. I don't know how old. Um, but Tinian, um, this is specifically a, um, a sort of an adaptation of the story of uh, Betty and Barney Hill. Uh, if you know anything about UFOs, you know they're kind of famous as being the sort of first big abduction story. But what some people don't know, and what this dramatizes in a really good way, was that they were also, in the early 60s, an interracial couple. Uh, he was black, she was white, and that was... Uh, it, it's kind of interesting that the first UFO couple, it's not commonly known that there was a interracial couple. <laughs> yeah, he's younger than all of us. I figured. <laughs> little, little punk kid. So I, didn't, I didn't know this story. Yeah, uh, and I read it, and I thought it was kind of a cool, little creepy UFO story. Yeah, yeah. it feels very kind of Twilight Zone esque, kind of uh, 
Sure. Although the interesting thing is, like, it's it's not complete. This I don't know if it's going to like this. This is a mini series. No, so right? I, I think what's going on is, the but lead, it at least continues into the next. I issue. think the lead story is going to be a short, kind of like the closet, a short story maybe across three or four issues. That I think this probably was on his Substack originally or something. Uh, it's going to tell so. their story, and then each issue there'll be a short, uh, weird tales in the back. This one has a Coney Island about like a guy in a flying suit. And well, some weird elephant hotel that had a brothel in it. All real stuff I'd never heard of. Yeah, I hadn't either. But I thought that was a good little story. Yeah, it was. Um, but I was, but uh, it, way, it was I, a real I, thing. You know, I am not the biggest fan of Mike Avon Oming's art. Yeah. But I thought he was pretty good in this. He was. I actually thought the backup story was better than the lead story. But well, the, the backup was by Klaus Johnson. Well, that's why it was better. But <laughs> uh, but I did. Think, I guess I should read the backup story. Uh, yeah, the yes, backup story was sure. good. But the, yeah, it's it's pretty. This is pretty solid. It's, it does, they did a black, white, and blue uh, look, color look to it that works. And I said Twilight Zone. I meant Unsolved Mysteries. Is what I meant. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry. And then uh, there's Punisher War Journal base. This is one of the occasional one shots they're doing, looking into the Punisher War Journal Punisher from different angles. This is a story of him uh, at home. He and Maria are having trouble and doing marriage counseling, and he is having trouble giving up the war and fitting back into his normal life. Right. Post-war, pre-Punisher. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, if you have ever said, what would happen if the Punisher was in couples therapy with his wife? Uh, you're going to find out that strangeness here. <laughs> or if you ever wondered, what if Punisher was at a Little League baseball game, or I should say Frank Castle, yep. and uh, a dad was being mean to their kid because he screwed up? Well, Frank doesn't take kindly to it. <laughs> and it sets in motion some events. Um... Uh, do we got anything else? That's all I got. All right. So, uh, like I said, there's there's a ton of comics this week. Yeah. Not necessarily new stuff, but like a lot of a lot of singlish, a lot of issues came out this week. So, uh, it's a it's the biggest week of comics we've had probably this year. And you should buy Superman. And you should buy Superman. <laughs> uh, all right, we're gonna take a break, and then we're gonna come back and talk about a little bit of news, and then Ant Man Quantum Mania. So we've just got a couple of news bits this week. Not a lot, but uh, we're going to mention that they're they're developing How to Train Your Dragon into live action with people with the same people who did d- the movies. I'm a little weirded out by this. This is weird weird to me because well, it's about it's 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 probably no weirder than the live action Disney movies. Yeah, but the question is, is it a kind of cra- cash grab? How good can they make it, even if it's that too? Mm-hmm. And also, uh, so w- whenever it hits. Will the say the Avatar cartoon be able to be good? But like you know, like if you if it's by the same people, yeah, you'd think that it could be good. But it I don't know. It's, it's such a weird thing to do because the the movies are pretty much a perfect adaptation. Yeah, they are. Um, yeah, I don't know. Are they going to lean a little more real? Are they going to lean? But, I, uh, a little but I'm like, more... if you already have a perfect thing, I mean, and you make a. Like remake Dave, it in live action and it's imperfect. Like Dave, like Dave said, though, it's no weirder than Disney, which has... There's nothing wrong with Little Mermaid. No! <laughs> Are we talking about... Oh, right, right. Um, but but we have all liked at least some of the Disney live yeah, action yeah, movies. Yeah. Uh, now, I think some of the ones I've liked most have been the ones where they've diverged a bit. Yeah. Uh, like the Jungle Book one. Yeah. Um, this, this live action will have no dragons. Uh, and I uh, and I kind of liked Aladdin, although I believe that is not particularly well liked in the broad pop culture. I don't think it is either, but I liked it. I liked it as well. Uh, tell me how to train your metaphorical dragon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, 
I will reserve judgment, but it yeah. doesn't sound like something I, I'm super I, I interested in. I'm a little weirded out by it as well. It, it seems like a strange Because I love How to Train Your Dragon. Yeah, no, it's a great series. It is a good series. I've it's, watched one of them. I was going to say, I must have seen the first one. I, I'm trying to think. Did I see the second? The second was really good. I finally watched the third one. It is also good. Yeah. So, yeah, it's worth watching. Uh, yeah, I, I think we're all going to like be uh, approached with caution. Yep, yep. Um, um, and Blumhouse, the uh, horror film producers, right? Who who've made like tons and tons of movies over the last few years? But like, what are their their the biggest things? Did they did they do Insidious? Yeah, Insidious, yeah. Conjuring. Uh, were they, weren't they one of the producers of Get Out? Like, weren't they? Yes, I think they out? were. Yeah. And then uh, like on a smaller scale, they've also done like lots of sort of lighter weight fare to kind of like so, somewhat more teen horrorish yeah. movies. Like lights I, out and I stuff mean, like Jason that. Blum I think is very uh, good at what he does. And they also did like the Purge stuff. Yeah, that might be he that did. too. Yeah, yep. So a, a very, very well established, the a fantastically established uh, horror. Uh, they did Megan. They did company. the new Halloween movies. Yeah, M3 again. Yeah. M3 again. <laughs> uh, Kept my eye on you, M3 again. <laughs> uh, Black Phone. Yeah. They, they've done a lot of stuff. They produce yeah. a lot of stuff, so they are going to do some video games. Yep, they're going to do a video game division. And they're going to be just like Super Mario, but scary. <laughs> no, uh, a Mario Kart horror game? There, I'd be all about I mean, that. they should go ahead and do that and just have it like Luigi Kart. Uh, because, <laughs> like, Luigi already does the Haunted Mansion thing. That's true. They'd be racing around spooky racetracks, ghosts flying by, all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, throw a turtle shell into a ghost's face. Who yep. doesn't want to do that? Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like this is going to be sort of like that video game that you made me play during Halloween this year. What did I do? You didn't make me play it. You told me about it and I thought it sounded cool. The one where you kind of like oh, chose your... Dawn. Yeah, Until Dawn. I feel like that's going to be yeah. what Bloom uh, Bloomhouse is going to try to make. I can see that. For those who didn't see it, Until Dawn is a little bit like those Telltale games, which is to say sort of lots of conversations, but also some sort of real-time timed events. And the very real possibility that the, oh, eight or ten characters you control, and and you bounce around between controlling them, it's like you control an ensemble. Very unnerving. You have to hit the button really fast. Yes, (laughs) it is very easy for them to die. Sometimes, like, uh, the killer will be chasing them, and you're, like, trying to climb up the side of, like, a a house that's iced over. You don't hit the X button fast enough. But, like, it's not always just, like, it's not always insta-death. If you don't hit the X button, you're going to, like, fall and, like, scrape yourself up. But then you'll, like, keep climbing. You should get, like... At least a few tries, but then eventually, if you screw yeah. up enough, and, it, and it's pretty unforgiving, you can lose characters. But that said, the story was very good. It took some twists and turns. It felt very horror. Yeah, it, uh, it had a scream vibe, yeah. I'd say. Or and, I know what you did last summer kind of thing. Yeah, and part uh, of it was like also that they used mocap stuff for like, it had like Hayden Panettiere and Rami Malek and uh, that German guy. Uh, Unpimp the Auto. Unpimp the Auto. Let's yes. give him a name. Uh, no, I like Unpimp... Um, Peter Stormare. Peter Stormare. <laughs> People who don't remember commercials from, oh, 10 to 15 years ago might was, not know the Unpimp the Auto. was Lucifer from Constantine. He was. Yes. Um, but anyway, this that's all just guesswork. It, you know, they might right. go with, like, the sort of more action horror stuff, or, like, uh, like well, even, like, Silent Hill yeah. still has, usually has some shooting and punching in it. Um, that could be, like, Dead Space stuff. Uh, could also be like more recent games, like uh, was it just the one when Shireen played Phasmophobia, mm-hmm. the yeah. ghost investigation game? Uh, I guess we don't know. And for all we know, they could even do it based on some of their movies. Like maybe they're going to use Insidious or The Purge or something. I don't think so, but I like you. Those up- are names that have they have marquee value. They have their IPs that are known. Uh, I could actually. I mean, 
It's a little a Grand sort Theft of Auto survival game would be kind of interesting. Yeah, that'd be trying to weird. Like, uh, well, it'd be almost like you know, in the Warriors, the Warriors were trying to get home to Coney Island with every gang in the city looking for them, trying to survive the night. If you're just like, I need for, to get from point A to point B through this city of just uh, a people raising a ruckus. Yeah, um, <laughs> um, and scary masks. Get get you know, uh, scavenge what weapons you can survive. Survive, <laughs> but also, um, uh, but also, like you know, Purge had a thematic to it. Oh yeah, the Purge was very much about sort of haves and have-nots and economic inequality, and there there were real themes to it. I would hope that, say, if they did that, that those themes would continue. Um, Man, I could actually see them pulling off a but, really interesting game with that because all of the Purge movies, even the last one, uh, were have been good. Yeah, and I think they could. Uh, also, by the way, if you did Insidious, good. you could have... Um, who's the lady who's the kind of star of the... Especially later oh, Insidious movies? Um, the older lady, right? The older yeah, lady, yeah. Who's, she's she's very much like... Because the first movie was inspired by Poltergeist, she's like the equivalent of the um, the, the little lady in, in Poltergeist. The... Uh, God, what is she? A spiritualist? I forget what you would call her. But she even has the two techies with her. Yep. Like, if those guys were sort of the framework, or like you were like, oh, you're new members of their two, uh, their, Elise. their team. Elise. You're new members of their team, and you're going to go and investigate spooky haunted houses. You know what would be kind of fun, Nick? Is if, like, sometimes you went and it was like a fraud, and you would, like, bust yeah. people. You'd, like, open up a closet door and, like, find somebody back there making the sounds and stuff. A little Scooby Doo. Yeah, that'd be kind of fun. Um, but also, uh, so, like, um, uh, yeah, you know, the same way movies have cold openings, it'd be kind of a fun cold video game opening. A scary sequence, but that turns out to be yeah. just dudes. Uh, but then, of course, you, you could have that, and, you know, for people who've seen the uh, the Insidious movies, she sometimes travels into the further, I think mm-hmm. is what they call it. They're sort of weird, spooky afterlife. Right. You could do sequences set in the further sometimes. Um, I hadn't thought about this, but the more I think about them using some of their IPs, the more I like it. Yeah, I do too. Uh yeah. Um, did they do? Did, did they do us? No, uh, that was with us? that was Monkey Paw. Okay, oh, well. I thought he was. I think I think it was co-produced. Oh, it may be co-produced. I only yeah. mentioned it because I thought us had a lot of kind of interesting lore that could actually be explored in a kind of interesting way. I don't know that a video game is like a good serious way to do it, but games are better these days. They're, yeah. they're kind of they're deeper at times. Last of Us, you know. Yeah. So um, last of. Us. What? Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, they did, they did get out. And, and uh, us? I'm not seeing us. They may not have done that. Yeah, maybe one. not. Maybe maybe Monkey uh, Paw went, went Rick let's, let's do a uh, video game uh, from the movie Split. Hey, that was a pretty good movie. I don't know that you could make a good game. Oh, no, they did do us. It was down here at the bottom. Okay. Yep. So so anyway, those are my ideas. Uh, Blumhouse, uh, I, my phone is open. If you would like to give me a call as a consultant, I'm <laughs> ready to believe you. <laughs> um, speaking of video games, there was only one trailer this week, but that trailer is for Tetris. Yeah, Apple Plus movie starring Taron Edgerton. We'd like to um, uh, put aside your fears uh, that this is a game uh, about uh, blocks and people dodging them or something. John like that. Oliver plays the L piece. <laughs> yes. Uh, this is about the uh, acquire, acquisition of the rights to Tetris, the complicated r- rights from Russia. Yeah, uh, Russian, it, Russian d- developer in Russia during the like the tail end of the the Soviet Union, right? And I guess like an American entrepreneur, sort of or entrepreneur, or yeah, who who like kind of goes over there and and what looks like it's like a kind of a played as like comedic, almost Coen Brothers esque series of misadventures. 
tries to before like the country collapses uh, to get to <laughs> secure the rights to this yes. for the burgeoning technology that is Game Boy. Yep. Um, anyway, it looks like it, that you know the trailer used uh, was it the oh. final countdown <laughs> yep. for yep. its soundtrack yep. as well as the te- the Tetris, Tetris music. It's very... a kind of high energy trailer. It looks it looks fun. Like at least it looks like it's got possibilities. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, I I like Taron Egerton so. Yeah, uh, from yeah. the sort of, from the kind of like um, true life strangeness that you know, I feel like it'd be, this would be like a less adult, you know, Pam and Tommy kind of thing, you know, where it's you are getting a true true story heightened, yeah, heightened version of yeah. it, yeah, but like not fun. but not wildly, yeah. wildly heightened. Maybe I don't know, I don't know. Um, and then uh, let's uh, let's move on to topics. We're going to talk about Ant Man. Before we do that, though, we're going to talk about the third season of Star Trek: Picard that just came yeah. back. There's been one episode so far. If you're fancy and have some kind of hookup, maybe you've seen two of them. Yes, or as many as six, as uh, people who have sort of access to some streaming advanced stuff uh, have. I do have this. Uh, I have only watched two of them, but I could have watched six of them, a.k.a. half the season. I admire your strength. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm trying to, like, because uh, I do uh, our podcast, Text Trek, uh, I, I usually want to wait until I'm pretty close to talking about it before I watch it. But since I actually wasn't in love with the first episode, um, the, the the I was uh, pretty down about it actually. Then I saw the second episode, and I was I kind of was like, okay, okay. And so that now it's kind of a little more on my radar. And I will say this before we kind of get into any specifics, Randy. Um, part of the reason I think I, I don't know why th- that they were felt comfortable sending this out to all so many kind of like reviewers and mm-hmm. stuff ahead of time. They seem really confident in it, and it got rave reviews. Yeah. Like, it is being raved about, like, one of the best Trek things ever. A great send-off to Picard, and, we, and you know, it has the whole crew from Next Generation. Uh, which is why I was a little weirded out by not loving the first episode, but it seems like maybe the more you watch, the more you might like. Mm-hmm. So, but let's talk about the first episode for a second. Yes. So the main thing to know, I, I, I think... The status quo has been different on every every season of Picard. Yeah, like basically, it's almost like three different shows. Sure, sure, yeah. Uh, but but Admiral Picard is retired, um, right? He's he's got a he's a, a somewhat comfortable but maybe casualish, maybe not casualish relationship with the, his, the the lady who was his housekeeper. But she was Lur- a person, Lur- Laris. Laris. She was a former yeah. Romulan intelligence, and he part of when he oversaw the evacuation effort, which was mm-hmm. like for his character history was the last big thing he did. Like the Romulans are like Picard is the best. Didn't yeah. her husband get killed in season two? He yes. did. Yes, he did. Man, Picard didn't waste any time. He's an old man. <laughs> He's an old man. Nick. He could go at any minute. <laughs> um, that man got killed to save Picard. I think a little time passed. But anyway, let's go ahead and move on to what prompts the, the new season. The new season actually doesn't begin with Picard, but with Beverly Crusher, yep. who has not been seen since uh, the, the Trek movies, and was notably absent from previous Picard seasons. Even though right. he had been so close, uh, she'd been so close with right. Picard, she'd been sort of absent and this, you will learn in the episode that for mysterious reasons, which I think are part of them is retconning in the fact that she wasn't in those seasons. Right. They've made out that nobody's really been in contact with her from the old bridge crew for like 20 years. Something happened. That's a mystery that will unfold. And indeed, when it begins, she's in like this small medical uh, cruiser 
and it's being like uh, attacked by aliens that are beaming on board, or they may be aliens. They have masks on. It's kind of dangerous. But she's kind of kicking some. She does. She's, she kicks butt. She's got a phaser rifle out. She's kind of like watching out for their. Is it? Fl- is it flanking. a phaser rifle? It felt like they they were like blasting it. They felt like blasters and, and machine guns. Like it was. It felt like a different technology. Part of it was, you know, as they move forward, and especially I think since the J.J. Abrams movie era. They sometimes make them seem a little bit more like they don't shoot out like long beam Beams. phasers that they that's more like punching you know phaser bolts, and she was actually like pumping it almost like a shotgun, like she was yeah. racking a shotgun. Yeah. To be honest, I think they just did that because they thought it looked cool. It did look cool, but essentially, yeah, she had on some stuff and was was going toe to toe with these bad dudes, um, and uh, ultimately sends a message to Picard, a coded message through his old combat, yep. his original combat from like the series. Like he's at home, and it like starts going off, and he he's like, "Why is there a coded message yep. on this old thing?" Um, and it, that is an ongoing mystery yep. that will be revealed. Uh, what else happens in it, Randy? Dave, I think, I think she, she was the doctor. When she shot him, she's been like, first do no harm. <laughs> there are some exceptions. <laughs> um, uh, but then, yeah, so so Riker and, and Picard are having a, He calls Riker in there. They're having a drink. Oh, right, and she was like, oh, trust no one, yeah, not even don't Starfleet. Starfleet. Yeah. And, and that seems a little sinister. We had been, you know, guessing, uh, me and my co-podcaster for Text Trek, that maybe you know, those weird from season one or two. Man, if, they, weird, if they picked up that bug story, the that'd conspiracy be bugs, yes, because she's uh, they're, they're, well. I don't want to say too much about what I know, having seen episode two, yeah. but like some of the, the, there's a good deal of the mystery still in place. I will say okay. in, in by right. episode two. So, it doesn't open with her saying, it's the bugs, John Luke, the bugs! <laughs> but if you were to, th- those were inv- getting into Starfleet at the time. Yeah, they they had gotten into some Starfleet higher up, so it's that's at least one reason why one might not trust Starfleet. Right. Starfleet is utopian. It's great. and Except for in the movie. Except they they do the love to do that. They do love to do that. Sorry, I'm, I, I will be the naysayer at this table. Okay, well, having not seen it, your, your voice carries no weight. Um, but anyway, um, Yes, he goes to Riker, his old buddy. They have a good rapport together, yep. and it's fun seeing those actors together. But they like meet in a bar that's like Guinan's bar, yep. and essentially they kind it's of hatch a, merch. a somewhat ridiculous scheme <laughs> to uh, to get on board, at posing as an ins- you know ad- admirals kind of and a captain doing an inspection. Yep. Uh, of a, a, a ship that's like a, was it the Titan? It's like his the, old the Neo ship. Constitution class. Yes, it's been refitted as a Neo Constitution. It does look very cool. It does look very cool. And and then they are going to while it's doing some maneuvers for like kind of a Federation, um, not quite a holiday, but it's like Frontier Day. Yep. When we think that uh, I don't know that they said on the show, but I think it might have something to do with uh, Captain Archer from the original Enterprise because ah. that was a kind of Frontier exploration <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Uh, and there may be a specific tie into him, but they are—they're hoping to kind of use a little pull, throw their weight around, and get it to the part of the galaxy that they need to, so that they can look into Beverly's disappearance, like steal a shuttle and do that. Yeah. So that's kind of the main plot of the first episode. Now, Randy, I think like me, you were not maybe wildly into it. It was hit and miss. Um, I like—I like—I've liked every season of Picard, but it's all been hit and miss for me. And I felt like it was the same kind of way. There's stuff True. I really liked, stuff I didn't. What Stuff you, I liked included um, yep. 
Jordy's Jordy's daughter Crash LaForge. Yeah, she uh, is um, played by uh, LeVar Burton's actual daughter, real daughter. Yeah, she is essentially the helmsman of the Titan. Yep. Uh, Seven is also on the Titan. Yep. There was a weird and interesting bit, like the the captain of the Titan. He's a big jerk. He's a big jerk. If you remember Captain Styles from Star Trek Three, who went after him in the Excelsior, and they had to like. They had to show him something. Yeah. Scotty's sabotaged the Excelsior. This guy is a bit like that. And he, uh, there's no other way to put it. He was kind of dead naming yeah. Seven. He was yep. forcing her to go by her human name, yep. Annika Hansen. Yep. Which, which is her real, you know, her original human name, but she had come to go by Seven of Nine. But it's clear that he said that he was like, I'm more comfortable, or yeah. the crew will be more comfortable. And from what he said when he gets really upset with Picard and Riker at one point and, yeah. like, denies their request, yeah. he called Picard an ex-Borg, and so we're kind of surmising that he may have had a bad experience with the Borg, like maybe Wolf 359 yeah. type stuff. Yeah, maybe so. But that's just kind of guesswork. Um, so what else? Maybe Randy? he and the Borg went on a bad date. Oh, that would do it. He's like, I thought you were going to assimilate me. Like, we didn't promise to assimilate you just because I was you humiliated. You're saying he's a Borg incel. He's a Borg incel. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was I was pleased to see that they didn't like. Although Laris has clearly kind of been sidelined for the series, yeah. Um, but like Raffi from the previous season, you know, Seven's girlfriend. I was very nervous about that setup, and I'm glad the reveal came that she was yeah. not. They, I think we can say what it is. They, yeah. they kind of made out that we know that she had been an addict in the yeah. past. She's had a dark past. Yep. And um, they, uh, it looked like she was talking to a dealer in this like, yep. creepy Blade Runner type world um, and was like needing back in. But she was also like hoping to get some information to, to like buy her way back into Starfleet. She's, she sounded desperate, kind of junky desperate. And you find out that she is essentially undercover for Starfleet intelligence. When she walks out of there, she she it's like she throws off the junkie look. Yeah, and it just like you know, kind of that. Uh, I guess I'd say Kaiser Soze style. Yeah. The uh, this was I was play acting, but she does like actually have. She had to buy some drugs while she yeah. was doing it, yeah. and she looks at it like shit. I'd really like to take this. Yeah, and the then thing, doesn't. The thing is, <laughs> I really like Raffi. Yeah, but I liked her. I, I don't. Was she start? She was never Starfleet intelligence. The notion is like she had become a captain again or something, right? I think, man, I feel I'm like not 100 sure. My, here's my biggest problem. I think problem. she had, the main thing was she had gotten back into Starfleet. Yeah, I don't know if she'd become a captain. But here's my biggest thing with with Picard. Every season starts off dark, and then they they get they get sort of this dark. They do this dark thing, and they finish the status quo, and they've updated things. People are in a better place, and they start off, and then it's like a completely different status quo. Right, and then they dis- they disrupt the status quo three times during the season. I'm just like, just tell me a story. Stop doing the status quo yeah. disruption stuff. You guys aren't good at it. It's one of the things like the fact that the Picard stuff feels to me more influenced by say Star Trek movies yes. than Star Trek TV shows. Yes. And then there's advantage to that. I understand that you kind of can't go back to quite how sedate overall TNG was. Sure, I get that. But I would like a bit more of it, maybe. Um, and yeah, that's sort of like the, the movies need to upend status quo is, is a pressure that I'm not wild about. Yeah. Now, that said, some of the stuff that the, that I've seen, and I'm not going to reveal anything, but in, C, in Episode 2 does contextualize some of these things. Um, there's some really fun and neat stuff with Raffi, I think, in the second episode. Okay. The captain, who I immediately disliked because I thought he was cartoonishly jerky. Yep. Uh, I'm not going to say he exactly changes or anything like that, but there's some interesting stuff in the second episode on him. Did, did, uh, did uh, Romulan Ninja Guy die? He stayed in the 20th 
century? Okay. Or did he? No, did he die? I don't know. I I was never wild about that character any either. But I but I it feels Elmer. to me like they, I liked I liked him. They've never. It's so so. It was such a weird Lord of the Rings thing to have him in there. And he was just a uh, he was just a, uh, an, a Romulan assassin he devoted was a Romulan to Picard. Ninja. I don't know why he was a ninja. I, I yeah, wasn't he I, like a no? He that's right. He wasn't Tal Shiar. He was kind of a member of like they the Benny Gesserit. They introduced warrior Romulan nuns, and he had trained with them. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was weird. Um, I don't know. It, it seems kind of neat. I like I, that addition to I, the lore. I didn't. I've not liked a lot of what they've added to Picard. Their their weird focus on artificial intelligence didn't seem to fit with Star Trek. Like. It always feels like they're trying to fit other sci-fi into Star Trek when they do this. I do, I, I do agree that artificial intelligence plot, same as I felt when yeah, they sort Discovery of did it in Discovery, yeah, I didn't yeah. think either of them did it particularly well. Yeah. It, and here's the weird thing. I am by no means a Star Trek purist. I am just now getting through D-Space Nine. Yep. But I know what Star Trek's supposed to feel like, and and very often Picard doesn't. Right. So the one thing but, I will say about the, the upside, though, is that having all the cast back is going to make it feel like... I. The next gen was what I watched the most Star Trek, and so I have a fondness for this crew. Yeah, and so I'm looking forward to seeing them all together again. You know, with, I, I think I can say this without revealing too much: the Picard Riker stuff, because mm-hmm. they are essentially there was a sort of a, almost a road trip vibe in the first it was, episode. It was a uh, rogue, gra- rogue grandpas on a yeah. wacky adventure. They 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 were sort of playing up the oh, we're getting a little too old for this shit. Yeah. I was actually I found that a little uh, irritating. I was like I wanted them to fall back into the old ways and yeah. not be like granddads. Yeah, that kind of happens in the second episode, okay. and right. I, I the, their stuff I think gets uh, notably better. Good. Almost everything improved. So so let's revisit this next week. We'll talk yeah. about it. Um, but it, it like there's some interesting plot stuff in there. I want to find out what it is that uh, Beverly's mystery is. There's a reveal of someone else on board her ship at the end. Yeah. That's like. Well, is this character who he seems to be, right, right, uh, or not? Uh, that's a big mystery. Uh, a fair amount of that is discussed in the second episode, um, and um, uh, I guess I'd say sort of what may be the big bad. I don't know. Uh, at least makes themselves known in okay. the second episode. All right. Um, uh, Anyway, there's some fun stuff in it. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll look forward to hearing your thoughts and seeing if... Because it really changed me around. That's good. That's good to hear because I've liked all of Picard, even though I think it's had issues. And yeah. so I want to like this one. I just was a little underwhelmed by the first episode. You know what's funny is like a lot of other people in the Trek community, it seems like they were on board right from episode one. Yeah. So it was kind of a weird podcast for me of like four people in that first podcast. I was the only one I felt like who really was like, I kind of was disappointed. Um but I know at least one of them had seen both episodes back to back at an actual screening in Hollywood, yeah. like uh, in LA. Um, and and I think they should have released them back to back. I think I would have felt so much better had I seen first uh, two. That was my thing when we got to that cliffhanger and episode one. I'm like, Nick, you know how Andor needed three episodes yeah. to kind of show its stuff or more. <laughs> um, no one's talking to you, Randy. Dave, I uh, I would think by now, being uh, being in the same room with me and Nick, that you'd be used to being the one, uh, one grumpy one while we enthuse about things. Well, I'm always right here. <laughs> I know it, it did feel weird. That I felt like all of Trek fandom was on board this one, and I was like, "Is it just because you got to watch it early?" But I was like, "Oh, I, I, I watched I think, it while sitting on Picard's lap." <laughs> I do think had they shown at least one more, I would have had different thoughts. So on is it. the whole next gen crew there? Is they're going to be. Fun? They're going to be. Okay. But I don't want to tell you whether people do or don't show. Start in that first episode. It's really only Crusher and Riker. If there's I no think. Barkley, what are we even doing here? <laughs> uh, we know just from trailers we are going to see Jordy, Worf, 
Um, I already said Crusher and Riker. Yeah. Yep. Um, who, who am I missing? Well, well, Pulaski won't be there. Pulaski will probably not be there. And uh, uh, and Will Wheaton is not going to be there. Uh, well, I don't know that for they, sure. They said he they said the fact that he was in the second season. Okay. And yeah, they that's they, they tiptoed around that. I think he was like. Well, Wesley Crusher's not going to be in it, I promise you. Yeah, yeah. But as Nick, Nick, you don't know this because you haven't finished watching no, the second I knew, season. I, I knew. But he, yes, he, as the traveler, yeah, yeah. Uh, he does Fair appear. Enough. Okay. Uh, yeah. he, they use some trickery. So I don't know for sure whether he might show. I don't know if people from Deep Space Nine or Voyager might show. I bet not, but that'd be cool. I mean, um, they mentioned Janeway in the first episode. I loved that. Uh, you know, it's as, as important as Seven has become to Picard yeah. because of her what she did in the second yeah. season. Uh, I, I, it was important to me to hear that Janeway, who's kind of like her real mentor, yeah. uh, was was acknowledged. I would have loved to have seen Janeway. I, I would love to see Janeway as an admiral. I, I think it'd be cool. She's yeah. been great on Prodigy. She's been great on Prodigy. All so, right, shall we shall we yeah. discuss ants? All right, so what is this uh, a podcast for ants? Let's let's have a uh, let's have a spoiler. Uh, let's spoiler break. Uh, if you've not seen Quantum Quantumania, just uh, just don't listen. Stop listening. <laughs> Go see the movie. Go see the movie and then come back and listen. It's true. Yep. All right. Ant Man Quantumania. Yes. Uh, Dave, the Ant Man movies I believe are your favorite Marvel movies. I feel weird saying that. Like I the Captain America movies are are uh, probably could vie for that. Would you say that are sh- your surprise favorites of the MCU? They were definitely my surprise favorites. Like, yeah. I actually have always liked Ant-Man, yeah. but it, to me it was uh, the same way some people feel, I think, about the Guardians movies and stuff yeah. like that, where they're like, oh, this is my favorite surprise. I didn't know anything about the Guardians, yeah. and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but yeah, I'd say that's the case, and uh, this is the least of them to me. I agree, actually. Um, <laughs> and it, it does, in fact, have something of a Guardians vibe. It's not the kind of heists and guys, you know, it's not the alternately, like, suburbia and, and like, and, and meet superheroes yeah. of those movies. I, I like this one better than the second one. Really? I, I think the second one has so much cool stuff with that, with them, uh... But it's... Driving through, t- the stuff through town, using the Pez dispensers. Yeah, but it's all low stakes. Like, completely, like... I, I, think, I think that's what I like about I it. I want MN to be lower stakes. You know, I, I'm one of those people who, like, I always, whenever I see a superhero get their powers really amped up, I'm yeah. usually in the comics that I'm yeah. talking about. I'm usually disappointed. Yeah. I don't like the crazy version of it is like Cosmic Spider Man. Yeah. Like, that's not what I tune into Spider Man for. Maybe right. once in a blue moon, do a supernatural or a cosmic story. Yeah. But very rarely. But I, I feel that way just about everybody. I'm like, I didn't ever want Iceman to, like, you know, sometimes they're like, he has the potential to be the most powerful mutant of them all. And I'm yeah. like, eh. Because he, he makes ice. He's a cooler guy when he's doing cool ice stuff. What they need to do is think more like animators do and just make his ice stuff cooler. Yeah. Because Avatar Last Airbender showed what you can do with that but shit. They, they didn't make Ant-Man more powerful here. No, but they, no, but they, they the raised stakes the, were, the, were much higher. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, Ant-Man doesn't need to be a high stakes thing. Yeah. He should be high stakes when he's with the Avengers. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, that said, I'm, I'm like I don't think like like it was a huge mistake. Yeah, nobody. I don't think anyone's disliked the movie. I just think I would have preferred something that was still felt more grounded. Um, I um, it it seems like the the consensus here and like Rotten Tomatoes had like fifty four percent. It's at forty eight. Is that yeah that this is the weakest Marvel movie since Eternals? And I don't think that's true. No, Cinema Score, which is I think a little what bit would, better, it gave it a B. What would be the weakest Marvel since Eternals? Uh, is, is there anything that's like did I like this? I think I like this as much as I like Shang-Chi. And Probably. what about, like, I don't know where you stood on Thor 3. I like this better than like Thor 3. 4. 4. What's I it? like this better than like Thor 4. Um, I, I liked it. I, I 
I mean, I think that to me, I have like a sort of mental five star scale for stuff. Yeah. Uh, or if you go to Letterboxd, there yes. it is five stars. Um, uh, this is like objectively a two and a half star movie. Yeah. But I kind of enjoyed it at the level of a three star movie. I was having I, fun while I watched it. I think I'd agree with that. That's where I would put it. When, here's the interesting thing. I knew going in a couple things. One, I knew that the audience, I knew that the, the critics had not liked it. Right. And I was like, I and I knew that this was going to be a very different Ant-Man. I knew that it was going to be all in the quantum realm. And I thought I was prepared for that. But when we actually watched it, I was disappointed how much time we spent in the quantum realm. And I was disappointed the quantum realm wasn't cooler or more interesting. Hmm. I so thought... Nick, you like quantum realm? I did. I, I, like, the visuals were pretty good in it. Yeah, sure. Um, and, and it's definitely one of those things where it's like, oh, weird stuff can happen. <coughs> Something might go, go flying by, and you're like, oh, it's a giant weird space mantis eel thing. And yeah. then it, like, it, like, you sort of like, oh, there's people riding on it. It's like a plane, and they land, and it's like, it's pretty wild. It's like, there is a, there is this tradition of both the microverse in Marvel mm-hmm. and the Atom over at DC sometimes yeah. shrinks down to like a like an almost Savage Land type, yeah. Yeah. like Conan stuff. Yeah. Um, so there is the tradition of these kind of pretty wild subatomic universes. I, that, and that's not a bad idea, but we have not seen any indication of this. Right. And so for them to suddenly there's a whole civilization down there was seemed like a, a big big reveal. And I mean, it was supposed to be a thing that uh, you know, even from the Janet. trailers, people know yeah. that that Janet, yeah, aka uh, Michelle Pfeiffer's Michelle Pfeiffer, character, yeah. the you know original Wasp, Wasp, which I'm glad she got more to do. She yeah. okay, Janet. This is definitely Michelle Pfeiffer's best movie. Like, it's not not overall. Well, she hasn't, but her best Marvel movie. No. Like, she got to do stuff. Here. Yeah, I was gonna say she she hasn't really done much. Yeah, and it was also kind of um, like a family movie in a way. Yeah. Like, so you had the you almost had like. You had the grandparents, yeah. which is the original. Like, uh, what's his, the actor's name? Michael Douglas. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Michael Douglas and Michelle Pfeiffer as the grandparents. You had Scott and uh, and Hope, uh, Hope uh, as yep. the uh, parents, and then you had who's the daughter? Cassie. Uh, Cassie. Cassie as the next generation who does get to kind of she gets to do a lot of hero stuff. I thought Catherine Newton did a great job as Cassie, and yeah. I think. Whatever other flaws I think this movie had, Jonathan Majors kills it as Kang. I yes. cannot wait to see him do more Kang. Hey, what was Kang's like? Could you kind of like sum up his motivation? He or, wanted to conquer things. I, yes, this version of him. Why was he trapped in the? So the the, the, the council other Kangs kicked, him, kicked out. him out because he was too disruptive. He wanted to basically he wanted to do what the TVA did. He wanted to turn Control. the timeline into his one timeline. Yeah. But whereas the TVA was sort of a benevolent, they're like, oh no, we're just trying to do something that's for the best. Kang was wanted to do what was better, what was best for him, and so he wanted to wipe out whole timelines uh, for for the 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 goal of giving him a uh, civilization. And in fact, you know, what? having just rewatched Loki season two, yeah, it ends with Loki returning to the TVA. Nobody remembers him, and the timekeepers are gone, and Kang is the person who formed the TVA. So that is very much in line with what happened. Okay. Here. Mm-hmm. You know, so here's an interesting thing I thought. Who's the actor who portrays him? Jonathan Majors. Yeah, Jonathan Majors. Right. So he's he's very good, and I found him compelling. And his Kang, especially when he was having scenes with um, uh, with Janet, yeah, uh, with Michelle Pfeiffer, he has all, he had like a sort of pained voice. Yeah, like he sounded anguished, and I was like, oh, what what sadness are we going to find out about him? But like, I'm not sure if like. Like he's still then, then to oh, just I have him be like a conqueror. I didn't yeah. quite. I didn't read that as sadness. I read that as him playing the the role of sadness. Yeah. Yeah. You think that's what it was? Yeah, I do too. I think he, cool. he did not have that in him. He he is just all about the conquering. See, then that makes him less interesting to me if he's just a a generic but, ruler. But here's the good thing: that's not going to be the king. 
they're, they're going to do Kang as, like, multiple different characters. Like, right. Jonathan Major said he's like, the character I played in Loki, he's it's basically not the same character. He's like, I didn't draw on that. Right. The, the Kang I'm playing in this is different. So I think, in his view, all the Kangs are going to be very different. Yeah. Sure. It will, in fact, be about essentially going up against a team of conquerors who, I'm going to guess, may or may not all agree yes. at any given time on what the next best move is. Yeah. Which, I'll also be curious to see how well you, they can play that as a villain, because, like, part of what makes Thanos and a lot of conquering-type villains uh, feel menacing is that they have real, driven, focused goals. Yeah. If you have a, guy, a bunch of guys who are kind of bickering with each other, I'm not quite sure how you how you I mean, pull it off. I mean, one of the better Kang stories, besides the Kurt Busiek one that was done, had the Council of Cross-Time Kangs. It was Roger Stern. And he had them all sort of working against each other, and, and Immortus working against them and all that when, kind of when, stuff. Where did that take place? 1980s. Uh, was it in Avengers? It was in Avengers. Okay. Yeah. I think it's it's an interesting thing to have because we haven't seen it before. We've seen, like, the singular villain, but now we have multiple versions of that villain yeah. all kind of scheming and doing... So you kind of get the backstabbiness, but but I think it's going to play out really differently than what we saw with Thanos. Yeah. And I, I'm very excited about the possibilities of Kang. The, the post credit scenes were great. Yeah. I was very excited about both of them. Um, I guess that the... The Loki scene is actually a ref to maybe some current Kang lore that I don't know as well. The like the, the he was a uh, Victor uh, Timely. Victor Timely. Yeah, he, that was a that was a. I looked it up and I thought yeah, it was where like did from, that come from? Um, I feel, I feel he's like, referred to as this Kang Prime. I feel like that came around recently. I feel like that may be a Jason Aaron invention or something. Uh, that kind of because right. I don't I don't recognize that at all. Is unless, Victor unless, a reference in any unless, way to Victor Von Doom? Busick did it. Well, Timely is Timely Comics, right? But, but Victor, Victor but be. sometimes Kang has been yeah. Doctor Doom. Yeah. <laughs> Does not look like a recent comic. Oh, I thought it was recent. I could be wrong. Anyway, um, uh, let's see what so else. Kang, Kang was good. Modok, Dave. I think you and I are both like in the minority. We're, we're in the minority. We're, we're different on this because I could roll with their Corey Stoll dumb face, entirely joke Modoc. I got what they were going for. It worked for the white audience. I understand why they decided we can't do a serious Modoc. Nobody will take him seriously. I understand how you came to that decision. However, that decision is wrong. Yeah, it's it was too goofy. And honestly, I actually thought that the special effect. Looked like something that you would do on like a TV show budget. It was done on purpose to be to be goofy. I know. I do, I did not like it. Yeah. Um, I I could have rolled with a comedic take on him. Basically, most of the stuff that they had done, it was kind of a you know clever tie-in in its way to Yellow Jacket from the, the, before. Giving him that origin made sense to me. I thought that was a clever way to yeah. do it. But making him because in the in the original Ant Man movie, he was sinister and scary. Like he was, he was dangerous. My yellow jacket, yeah. And and so to make him here just like a doof, yeah, he was of no real threat. Oh, I didn't. I found him to be a threat. He was never a threat. They only played him for laughs. Like every time he came, he came on the screen, people kind of just people, laughed. people started laughing. Everyone in the theater laughed at the whole time. Well, I mean, the people in the microverse certainly didn't. He was definitely had killed a bunch of people there, and yeah. it was like the hunter. I, it's kind of one of those things where it's like. He killed NPCs. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you tell me he's dangerous, but he never felt dangerous. Like I never, I didn't feel like when when uh, stature was going up against him that there was any threat there. No, I, 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 I just and it looked goofy. It just looked goofy. Yeah, um, the uh, uh, I think people who've only seen sort of like like Modok for like probably like fifteen years now has yeah, mostly been least. played as comedic. Yeah, 
Um, but if you have look at any of the appearances of the character from back in the day, especially like like one thing to look at is just some cool Kirby artwork. Yeah, his original take on him, he looked weird and creepy. Yeah. Uh, he was not it's certainly like you don't see most of his face. He had like all that K- Kirby sort of armor and circuitry on him yeah. and stuff like that. Um, uh, again, I kind of know how I, I, I can see how it got there too. Um, but uh, there there would have been a way to just play him as this like kill machine that would have been scary. I basically feel like if if all you if, if you can't think of anybody to do him seriously, just don't do him. Yeah. And that's kind of where I am. Is like they they've they basically have a character that I would have liked to have seen as a villain and made him a joke. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, I I enjoyed a lot of the jokes. But mostly, I was like, I really wish you guys hadn't done His this. His demise was the best. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, yeah. I enjoyed the, the sequence there. Yeah, um, I uh, I thought the uh, uh, it was Ant's ex machina was a little weird thing, but I kind of liked it. I kind of liked that. It gave uh, Hank uh, a big moment to yeah. shine. Yeah, Hank the, got to be cool. The twelfth generation ants. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I loved that. And it was it was a good update. It was a way to use ants without kind of doing the same stuff they had done in the first two movies yeah. with yeah. them. Yeah. Um, I thought Bill Murray was a waste of screen time. That was a little bit weird. Yeah, um, like, it feels like they were like, we're like, hey, Bill, you want to do a Marvel movie? He's like, yeah, can I improvise all my lines? Like, it was weird. <laughs> I think the um, the the notion we originally had that he was going to be playing one of the elders of the universe. I, I wish they had done yeah. that in some way. Uh, even if he was like, you know, if he was like a slumming elder, yeah. who kind of like yeah. he's like, yeah, nobody really uh, likes me out there. So I, I, so the microverse is where I can kind of lure it up. Been perfect as the gardener or something. Yeah, that would have yeah. been great. He could have been gardening weird best shrooms. This is my other one of my other gripes about this movie. Which, by the way, it sounds like I hated it. I didn't hate it. I just have a lot of gripes. Yeah. Uh, I feel like one thing that Mar- the MCU does well is they bring in characters, and I get like a oh cool that's a, even if it's just an in name only kind of thing. Yeah. They had all these characters to introduce these like freedom fighters and Bill Murray's character. None of them were characters we knew. They were all new characters. Like, why don't you use the Micronauts? I understand they're the right. Well, some of those aren't new. Some of them have been in comics. Have they? Yeah. the The leader of the freedom. Uh, she, is she a character? Yeah, she's a character from is the she a Rick Remender character. No, no, but <laughs> she's uh, she is a character from the comics. Okay, because I didn't. I they like they they went real deep cut on some. Yeah, of these. A guy whose like head was a laser and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, like, I, I would have liked if if they had uh, had used some of the Micronauts a little bit or something. Yeah. And, and like you were saying, Randy, we know the Micronauts, the ones that were the toy-based ones, you couldn't yeah, they use. they don't have all of them, but they they did, some of them. They did create a fair number of characters that were original well, characters. They own Bug. Bug. Why Bug not do be, Bug? Bug and Marionette would have been perfect ones yeah. to do. Yeah. They, and those are definitely owned by Marvel. Yeah. Um, um, and and there was a lot of... I think because they wanted to keep it funny... Yeah. They, so, like, they wanted to keep the humor from Ant-Man, but they brought it into the Quantum Realm, and so a lot of the stuff felt goofy and lost and didn't have its stakes. The, the Holes guy was funny and all... But it undercut things, I think. Yeah. And, and I, by uh, the guy from the previous Ant-Man movies. Yeah, David Dostmuck. And I saw yeah. his name in the credits, and I was like, who is that? Um, I also, the, the opening of this with him and his, like, you know, he, he wrote a book, and he's kind of cheesy. And yeah. I enjoyed that so much, and I was right on board. And then when we got sucked in the quantum room, like, all that was gone. Right. Yeah, uh, you're, it feels like they were in the quantum realm within ten minutes yeah. or so. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, I would have been like to have seen more. Uh, you know, we we talked about this a little bit afterwards that if they had done it, almost like you know, you know, in the same way that um, 
what's that movie? Uh, Christopher Nolan's Inception. Yeah. Uh, that you've got some stuff in the real world and some stuff in the dream world yeah. sometimes going on simultaneously. Yes. That if there was some kind of fun heisty stuff into the quantum realm, yeah. but like where there's quantum realm stuff going on and some real world stuff interacting yeah. with it, yeah. that would have been really fun. Or if um, this... Or if the thing, like, I thought Kang was going to need him for his skills as a thief, like a heisty thing. Yeah. Instead, he just needed him to use the pin particles. And I'm like, one of the things that makes Scott work is each movie has been a heist movie in right. some way. And I wanted that heist and, and espionage element of it, and it was gone. It was This was much more a Star Wars Guardians of the Galaxy thing, and it felt totally like too big of a shift to me. It's not, it's not bad, it's just not what I wanted. Yeah. I'm not mad. I'm <laughs> just, just disappointed. disappointed in Ant Man, um, but there's so much I like. Like I, I like everybody. I like I like Hope. I like uh, Hank. I like Jan. I like, of course, Paul Rudd, uh, Catherine Newton. Both did a great job. Jonathan Majors was a fantastic Kang. Yeah. At the it end, he looks, got to kind of cut loose and start killing dudes. It looks great. Like the costume designs are fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know what's weird? I feel like I would appreciate this more as a nice uh, DK Books volume that showed all the costumes <laughs> yeah. and had notes on, like, oh, yeah. that's who this character is and that's who this character yeah. is. And I'll be like, oh, I would just kind of immerse myself in the world. Yeah. Uh, would be kind of fun uh, through DK Books, and I just skip past the Modoc page, right? <laughs> um, and, um, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, Nick, how many stars would you give it from one? I gave five? it three and a half. Three and a okay. half? All so right. So you're, you're a half a star yeah. higher. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I was not bothered by the whole no uh, infiltration kind of thing. I You were having fun with it as it was? Yeah. I liked the Scott being a doof and aloof and not really a, a parent. Uh, <laughs> that felt weird to me because he was so dedicated to Cassie his entire life. And then when he comes I mean, back, yeah, she's sudden, grown up now. I mean, I just, he I kind of I'm not, was. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. He kind of was. He wasn't like... I mean, he he blipped, or he was he didn't blip, but he was. He made gone. her that cool fort. He made her a cool, cool fort. fort. Yeah, that's above and beyond. Yeah, I that that felt weird to me too. I was like, I was like, I get Cassie. I, I get that she's a teenager and all, but like, this is the guy who has always gone to bat for your entire life, except when he got blipped out of existence. Like, yeah, can't blame him like, for the blip. Yeah, well, he, he didn't get blipped. He got he, stuck in the corner. He got stuck in the corner. It was essentially the blip. Eh. He was blipped in the quantum realm just because he wasn't dead. He, it was blip related. It was the same thing. It was blip adjacent. Yeah. Uh, I liked Cassie. I liked the themes of that character that they're building her into a more of a, uh, I, 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 I a like helper. That, well, uh, I, I like that she has taken on her dad's her, her dad. The thing I think they, they could have played better is if if because um, Scott did this thing you know where he he you know got back at his boss and lost his whole life and went to jail. Yeah. And if he was more of like. Hey, you know this rebellious helper side of you. I was like that, and look where it got me. And I didn't think they played that well enough. I think he was just doing the like, you know, being the protective dad, like don't do this. If he had been able to say, "Look, yeah, I get where you're coming at, and yes, I want to help everyone," but but that, he gets there. Yeah, that's but, the arc for him. But, but I feel like he didn't. His his arguments to her, she got to be right most of the time, and I felt like she was. I I, I like it. I think it's interesting that she is doing the same path of like the. Uh, helpful monkey wrencher type thing like that makes sense to me. Yeah, but I would love to for him to say, "Look, I appreciate that you're trying to emulate the me that you think I am, but you like look at where that got me." I would have liked to have seen him be like, not just like I'm protective dad. I don't want you to go into jail, but the sort of like I understand where this is coming from, but I but I think it's dangerous. Like a little more protective for the right reasons. I don't know. Yeah. 
Uh, for the uh, two hours, I wasn't bugged by it. I yeah. thought it worked for Scott in regards to the characterization that we've seen. I think that the thing that most that, that, that bugs me about the Marvel movies right now is that it used to be I, I walked out of every one of them super happy, and I'm walking out of the mixed since Phase Four started. Even Wakanda Forever, I walked out and I was a little mixed on some of it. I yeah. loved Wakanda Forever. It's the, the best one they've I done. I feel like the last Marvel movie I felt like I kind of loved was uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. No Way Home, yeah. That was quite yeah, incredible. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that was, that was the one that got me. And I want that feeling from every Marvel movie. Uh, but that said, I, like, I still like them, but everybody's... The, the people who are like down on them and a lot of people are just sick of... What you like, movies. Randy, is a home run. I would like a home run. We were getting good solid doubles, triples. I yeah. want a home run. Yeah. Well, there is kind of superhero burnout. Yeah. For all, especially in the review yeah. community, and that is what we're sure. seeing. But not for but we're me. Not, yeah, we're not talking about. Uh, like, I'm not. I'm not burnt out on this stuff. I just no. feel like they're not executing. The Anything Randy wants more. I want more. I'm. I'm not happy about their decision so, to do less TV. Uh, yeah, I was going to say TV does seem to be where they're at their best right yeah. now. Even then, those might not be quite a home run, but closer. Closer. Yeah. Yeah. I just. I mean, I'm not going to hold everything to the standard of Endgame. That was 20 movies to set it up. I, I understand yeah. that. But I feel like we're five movies into Phase Four at this point. Four. I mean, that was that was this was Phase Five. This is the start of Phase Five. This didn't feel like the start of anything, except for Kang. Like, it didn't feel like a this. This felt like more of Phase Four. It didn't feel like a this is the start of Phase Five. Oh, like, I mean, I think it. I mean, I, I mean, Kang is just, the just Kang is the big Kang. bad. Yeah, but like, I mean, arguably, Kang has already been introduced in Loki, yeah. so it wasn't yeah. it wasn't quite the shock of the new. Yeah. Um, I don't, yeah. think, I don't know if we knew we were going to get the Council of Kangs as your villain. No, no, the, the, and the that's post a pretty notable. Good. I mean, yeah. yeah, that's kind of a post credits thing. No, post credits. I mean, you're I talking love... about Randy. You would like the the movie to feel like it was like ushering in something, not like in their Borgo and I would like secrets. to be. I would like to be excited all the way through instead of like, do I like this? And <laughs> and I I don't want to be pulled out of the movie the way I have been lately. Uh, and I, when I go back to them, when I went, I'm, I'm rewatching now. I went back to Black Widow. I really enjoyed it more than I watched it in the theater. Watched Wakanda Forever. Enjoyed it more than I did in the theater. Like I still like them, but they don't have their hooks in me the way they did. And that that disappoints me. Mm. Yeah, I get that. I feel like they're not quite where they need to be. I see them as individual comics now, and uh, I'm okay with that. I guess I, I thought this was an exciting Ant Man uh, double sized issue. Yeah, and I didn't. I mean, we got Kang. That's awesome. We'll continue yeah. to see Kang. But I felt like this was a good adventure for Scott. He got to do some cool things. See, and I think that's where I disagree. I, I don't think this was a great Ant-Man movie. I think this was a good Kang movie. But this did not feel like what I want out of Ant-Man. Ant-Man 1 and 2 are what I want from Ant-Man. The change did not work for me. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, and MODOK was too goofy. I liked MODOK. <laughs> I like Cor- Would you like a giant poster of MODOK if I had one? <laughs> like Heather Locklear on a on a with his are you ready to put it up in your living room Nick are you saying with the mask down or the mask up mask, mask down, down. <laughs> <laughs> here's the thing I like Corey Stoll I like I, Corey Stoll too and actually I like that they they kind of went with the, him getting crushed that's why he was just the head the, the origin of it the way that's very clever to bring him in that way I just didn't like the execution of the rest of it and that that means that in other universes. Uh, Kang has Modok as a henchman. Does it? Because I mean, why would he have him in this one if not in another one? He can do know. it. Maybe, maybe Modok. Uh, I didn't. I didn't ever need to see Modok's tiny butt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
You know what's but funny? But, but naked, uh, naked Modok uh, was um, one of the creepier things ever in that old issue of Captain America. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was his corpse in a morgue. Yeah. Uh, but it was uh, it was played as terrifying. Yeah. Like almost like body horror weird. Yeah. Can't we just be okay with seeing Modok's butt as we're, we're just okay with seeing Chris Evans's ass? No. Modok, that is not the Quantumania's ass. <laughs> but it, is, it might be. Well, I'll, I'll hope that they give it a hot spotlight in the DK books. Whole uh, man uh, did not have an ass. <laughs> All right, then. And well, with that, and with that uh, we will close it out for the week. We'll be back next week with more. And until that time, yo, Joe. Roguecast is a weekly podcast broadcast from Rogue's Gallery Comics and Games in Round Rock, Texas. You can find us online on Facebook and at www.roguesgallerytx.com and email us comments or questions at roguesgallerytx at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.